Hello, and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate, and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au. Okay, right. Well, as you know, my name's Alex Jones, and so welcome to today's Equity Foundation live stream. As you know, I'm the program manager of the Equity Foundation, and today I have pleasure in introducing our special guest, acting coach Lisa Robertson. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture, and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I also want to acknowledge our New Zealand actor brothers and sisters who are also joining us today. I want to take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. If you don't have any contact details, let me know and I can give you and I can point you in the right direction. So please welcome Lisa. Hello, everybody. It's fantastic to be here. And Alex and I were just saying just over a year ago, last January. Um, yeah, just over a year ago, um, Mia, I mean, <laughs> Alex is so extraordinary. And I'm, I mean, you know that my whole life, my 20, last 26 years has been in the United States. And um, seeing what Mia does, Equi Equity Foundation does um, with the various workshops and just, I'm, it never fails to impress me enormously. Thank you, Alex. So we did masterclasses and it was one of the highlights of what I've done. The talent was extraordinary. Now, in my 26 years of being gone, I've had 20 years as an acting coach. Well, I think it's officially 19, but I was kind of, Part work, part time acting coaching in the beginning for the year before that, um, before it was just my whole life. And I started with American and English actors. So from about 2014, <laughs> you know, just about the time after Larry was coming out, it was kind of like, oh, there's a, a protege of Larry's who works all the time and she's actually Australian. And then I started getting more and more Australians and I got to know the industry here. And now this last year with the pandemic, I have been working with, from my base here in regional New South Wales, but already prior to this, um, I had about, I think I was doing probably 45, maybe 50% um, of my work with Australian actors. So it's been such um, a fascinating Kind of reintroduction to Australian talent, and it's it, it's special. There, there, there's something we get here, and it's not to be underestimated. What I'm going to talk about today, I'm really, really speaking from an Amer from my experience coming through America, and this influx of production, and some things that I hope are helpful to you in this time, because I went to the United States. I'm going to give a little shout out because I saw her name. And if you are emerging, if you are a young actor on here today, I'm going to get emotional. It is so important to have people around you who see you, 
who see who you are and support you in ways. And those people may never know how valuable their support of you was. But if Caroline Casper came on to... Caroline Casper. Yeah, Caroline. If you, I'm sure you know Caroline. She's very iconic in musical theatre. We're in a number of shows together in my young career as a professional dancer. So uh, thank you. And try to surround yourself with people who see you and your potential. If you are young and you are on this, this is very, very important. So as you are approaching this influx of material, but many of you have already been auditioning for the States and globally as it is, I'm sure. I want you to also start thinking about, I, I, I want you to get back into story. The stories are incredible. This last year, of the pandemic and I am not, I'm the last person to undercut this time and how devastating and extraordinary it has been. I mean, obviously I live in Los Angeles and I've been home in Australia since last June. So this has been, and I have a lot of friends affected and I was in the middle of that lockdown in LA. Uh, so with everything I'm about to say, uh, there is no passing off of the pandemic and um, and what the what globally has happened, the crisis that has happened and is happening. But when I got here, it was extremely busy for me because the stories were just getting better and better and better. Let's talk about the United States of America. When America goes into levels of crisis, the writers come out. It happened in the depression. If you are young and you haven't read about the group theatre, go and do it. Read a book called The Fervent Years and understand where current film and television acting came from, from the group theatre where there was a kitchen sink reality that was brand new. And that really eventually fueled through to the, to the 70s, to these incredible films we saw out at, come out of the 70s from the De Niro's and the Pacino's and these actors, or the, Brando and Kim Stanley and wonderful actors that we loved in that, um, in that period of filmmaking. And we were incredibly aspired by, and a lot of us started acting because of this kind of acting. What happened in the depression and the way the storytelling worked, read those plays because the writers writing right now, what is coming through HBO Max, what is coming through FX, what is coming through Netflix, Amazon Prime. Okay, I work on a lot of streaming shows, right? I would say the majority of my work with some feature film is series that are made for, you know, this market. Um, it's pretty, since it opened, really, since Netflix took off. I want you to think about, I want you to get back to the storytelling and I will tell you why and how it affects your self-tapes. Because Arthur Miller was writing about the interior breakdown of the interior life of men at that time, a level of breakdown that was in opposition to what was being sold as the American dream, but he was hard on social justice at the same time. Tennessee Williams was writing the American dilemma with religion and a kind of ecclesi a, a spiritual height, a, 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 a yearning to reach God with a carnality and the pull in between, not social justice, but a struggle of, of the soul within the frame of America. So 
we could go on about these playwrights, but the fact is a lot of what is coming through now is speaking directly to what is happening in the culture. So we saw a massive shift. I'm going to talk mostly television now. In I started coaching in 2000. I started really in 2001, but I, you know, it went crazy in 2002 where suddenly I didn't stop working. Um, it felt like it happened in a heartbeat. And I suddenly, you know, I was 31, 32. Actors that I had seen, William Atherton from Day of the Locust or Ray Barry, who, you know, was in those original J, J, uh, Joe Chaikin, Sam Shepard premieres, the public theatre, Curse of the Starving Class. People I had respected were suddenly coming to me as a coach. And no one prepares you for it. There's no like coach school, you know. But being thrown in at the deep end required me to kind of get good and learn off the best, learn what this conversation was, and it works in two ways. So I'm going to talk about this, the historic storytelling. When America loses its money and goes through crisis, America goes to its writing. So in 2002, we were in a pretty up place. There was a lot of actors coming to me, handing me sides from network television. We didn't have streaming yet. Um, we didn't have basic cable yet. We had HBO, which was wonderful, but we didn't have what was called basic cable. So it was a lot of network. And often these wonderful actors would sit down and go, okay, what do we do with this? And we would have to elevate the material. Not in every case, but I'm going to say 80% of the time. We would have to elevate the material. We would have to say, okay, there's not a lot on the page. There was a lot of stereotypes. We can get into inclusion in time. Um, I have always had a very inclusive um, client base. Thank God, what a blessed coach I am that um, I was... Uh, always uh, understanding and privy and learning of that experience and seeing uh, the, the biases in television and the difficulties. But we were often elevating. We were actually saying, you know what, this is like, and we would often use plays. We'd say, this is like this. And we would find more to do with it. I'm going to jump to this amazing moment when FX started, oh, well, it kind of started with Oz on HBO, but when FX did The Shield and I worked on roles on The Shield, basic cable started coming up as a storytelling force. Mad Men changed everything. There started to be style of acting and it was very gritty, but it was television driven in a kind of novelistic way. But, you know, a lot of action happening different from feature film, but requiring a level of talent that traditionally you went from television to feature, right? Not all television actors went to feature film in America. When George Clooney went from ER to like Batman or whatever, that was considered like, wow. He was the lead in a, a TV show and he crossed over. We don't even have this now. I think it's important to look at these things and look back. When Mad Men happened, it never should have happened because it was a spec script that had been going around for a year. Everybody had read it. AMC decided to go into drama, threw some money at it, gave Matt Weiner carte blanche to do whatever he wanted, basically cast whoever he wanted, not, not big names. And 
suddenly something new was born again, a different kind of storytelling. The wire, I mean, an American city, the American dream is Greek, as Greek tragedy. So when I, I could keep going on this, I could do it with Lincoln Heights. I worked on Lincoln Heights. When that hit ABC Family, which is now Freeform, that's Nikki Michelle and Russell, and Russell Hornsby, that this a black family, upper middle class family moving into an oppressed area to in, reinvest in an area that was educationally, economically depressed was on ABC Family and it was actually in its time groundbreaking. I've watched that progression of storytelling. We got into a very rich economic time before the Great Recession, which didn't hit Australia in the same way, but my gosh, it hit the United States. It had been the rise of reality television. I remember people saying things like the sitcom is dead, Broadway will never have a new play on it again, you know, that there'll never be a market for non-musical theatre on Broadway, let alone new plays. It'll just be a few revivals. When the money fell out of America, up roared the writing. A lot of the writers who'd been in Hollywood went back and wrote plays. A lot of the playwrights, people wrote spec scripts, and we went into a really new era and it came about with the, the period of streaming. Why am I saying this? Because when I get an audition with an actor that I'm working with, I, I want you also to go, what is this? What is this in the culture? What is this building on? What is the acting style? The, when I started with Handmaids, it's the, you know, a lot of it is the team from Mad Men. If you look at the acting style, it's the truth doesn't happen. The epiphanies don't usually happen on the dialogue. It's the connective tissue between the moments. It's the life you build. If you look at Dear White People, which I have absolutely loved working with Logan Browning on, it's written almost like theatre. The epiphanies, it's very heavy dialogue. It's fast as you have to put a lot of depth in it. It's hilarious. And the epiphanies in the characters happen on dialogue. So now here we are in Australia and we're getting an influx. And yes, it's just so you know, I've had a number of actors really break through in the last six months into level of roles, both here and they've come back here and then been cast in the US or in Europe. And now they've been flown back in the last six months. I want to ally your fears, lay your fears if you're worried about the state of production. The United States is dealing with the pandemic in a way that we just aren't here. And we are so, so I mean, we are so lucky. We, well, I mean, it's because of our border quarantine. I mean, it's for real reasons. But the storytelling is fantastic. What I see in my three level of actors I've talked about, if you are a professional actor and I say about reigniting the love for acting or just the pressures of self-tape, what the self-tape is requiring right now is a real understanding of the world that you are dropping into. That we, from the minute it starts, from the minute we fade in on that tape, before dialogue, we are in a world. And I know you hear it but whether it's the pressure of it, in my coaching, I work with the actors and I still feel like I have to 
say, but wait a minute, what is the, what is, not just what is at stake, what is the dramatic question of the material? Where is this piercing? Who are the filmmakers? Who wrote it? What do they write in reaction to? And what is this saying in the current state of America and the world? Because we have had living under Trump, coming out of that, the insurrection, what just happened on Wall Street with Robin Hood, all of that is being written by about right now. And I know that because I know the writers. We have some really big action things coming here. I just have coached auditions, some auditions for a very big kind of action one hour that's that's being shot here for America. And I remember when that pilot was being cast in 2019 and then, you know, obviously didn't go because the pandemic. So why, so I said to the actor, why has this pilot survived? the pandemic when so many other pilots have gone to pilot cemetery because it shows, I mean, I could use a term from the straight from stranger things. It shows the upside down. It shows that the, that we were living in something we believe that, that we believed was stable to the level America is stable or the, 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 our world was stable and the pandemic just something in the civilization just crumbled. I mean, when I was there, you could not, I could not see a doctor. You could not get a test for months. It was, it was very scary. So the actor I was working with felt like, oh, is this just kind of cheesy action stuff? And I said, you know what? I don't feel so. But regardless of that, you can't really do the tape if you feel that way about it because it's never gonna work. You've got to find where your incision point is in the material, where you wish to enter and what it speaks to, maybe it is like a callback to a kind of escapist drama, but think about emotionally why we need that right now. So I can't go into you know all the breakdown of script breakdown that I do, script analysis, but I hope I can impart to you that it is rooted in something, that it is speaking to the moment. And the actors that I have on set right now, some of whom have had the biggest career breaks they've just ever had in the last six months, did not lose sight of that with all the pressures on them. Does this make some sense? Is this resonating in any way that we got to get out, guys, when you have some training and I will talk, I'm sure, in the question and answer to some emerging actors and I'll speak. But right now, I really want to also get to the people who've shown up and done a lot of self-tapes. I'm going to say it. When I did that workshop last year, and Alex can back me up on that, the standard, the work, the ability, it came down to script analysis that was visceral, using your brain to get into the circumstance, understanding the moment. It got down to that, but also a kind of, um, it was a bit of a heartbreak, you know? It was a bit of a heartbreak in the actors because we're, you know, we, we have, we're an excellent industry in Australia, New Zealand. I'm talking to you too, New Zealand, I, and I don't mean to put you in the same boat because it's a very, it's a different culture and entirely different place. But I think we're under the same, I feel like we're under the same pressures of of the industry and I had New Zealand actors in that masterclass. But there was a, I saw beautiful talents, so willing, so brave. But the 
there was a bit of heartbreak, right, Alex? Do you know what? Do you remember? What oh, totally. How did that feel to you when you saw that heartbreak? I feel you as a, I'm an Australian, but because I'm not here all the time, I kind of want an Australian on the ground a little bit to talk about it. Uh, I think sometimes there's a sense of frustration that there aren't enough roles. Yeah. And I think also, like, what is growth? What is next? I want to talk in this next, before I start the questions, I'm going to put this also into your nervous system. I do a warm-up. If you're on my Instagram, I just talked about it. I did a little IGTV about it. If you were in my masterclass, I put every single actor in there on their feet, like 120 actors or something, to do a warm-up because actors can't sit back. Actors have to be in the trenches. And with all the pressures, the extraordinary pressures on your nervous system right now, and there are, even, I mean, it's in the world, you know, it's out there and what's happening and a sudden lockdown or, or, or just your own pressures. You are, you're, you are affected, your work as an actor, I know you always hear it and it's, it's hard to say, you know, when we were dancers, you had to warm up every day because you got injured and then you were off and then it, and it hurt. And it just wasn't a, a question. One of the issues I had when I came to acting was I was either fabulous or terrible. And I had zero in between. I either understood it, had a good day and I went, or I was in my head, disconnected and awful. That was me. And I thought, but I wasn't that way as a dancer. Even if I, I, I was sore, exhausted, I wasn't that way. I had this thing, this technique I had worked on since I was four years old, you know, I had a, and I had a warm-up I did every day. I didn't think about it. I just did it. I started culling together a very simple warm-up for your daily work as an actor and you need time each day with yourself as an actor. 45 minutes, if you're newer, it should be a few hours or classes, whatever, but some time to check in. To time some time to check in and understand how this thing in you works. When you mature, maturity is a wonderful thing. Can we just get it out of the way? This like, oh, you know, I've been doing it this long and I want to get it out of the way because it's amazing to know more as it is amazing to be young and flying on your instincts. But it reaches a point where you understand yourself enough, you want to use yourself and, ex and lend yourself and put that all that knowledge into the work. So in my, the warm-ups I do, we kind of do a bit of physical. I always start with something gently physical because when I was a dancer, I just started with leg swings and I didn't think, zero thought, just got up and got on the bar and started leg swings. And I thought, well, there needs to be something that is my daily work as an actor. There's something that I have to know this nervous system because your work as an actor is understanding the storytelling and then triggering using a given circumstances, imagination, the person in front of you, whatever it is to trigger your nervous system. We can talk about emotion. We're talking about access we're talking about the ways you trigger your nervous system and lend yourself to the work. You might have a day where you're only operating at 25%. The thing was when I professionally danced, which was from 15 to 22, I was very young, but I worked, like I worked all the time. 
I worked like all the time. I didn't have a day where I thought if I was tired, I couldn't do it. Or there was this nirvana moment where it all comes together perfectly. I mean, that could happen, but I never relied on it. But somehow when I was an actor, I felt like I was supposed to have that day every day. There are days you're only going to have, you're going to, I had someone, I have someone on a, you know, a horror thriller set in Europe right now. And yeah, after two weeks of shooting and she's one of the leads and she's the one who, you know, the, the, the spirits and everything after she's triggering her nervous system so much every day into terror, into love, into, into a kind of like something that if you go through in life, you know, you're left with fallout in your nervous system and so at the end of like two weeks of shooting she said I'm exhausted and I said but you would be it's okay it's okay this is what's been happening to your nervous system once she was able to own that she said but I'm numb and I said but there's a ton of emotion under that your nervous system has just been triggered so much and now it's and you know what you are her if you're at 25% a day, you commit to that 25%, find your truth in the 25% and it might go to 100. It might go to 70. But if you push and pretend you're not at 25%, then you're going to feel bad. And this is when directors, God bless them, they talk in results. Not all of them, but 99.9% .9 of them. That's why I train directors because I don't want all directors to talk in results. I mean, directors who are actors are right? They know, right? They know what you go through. They know that it requires a laser concentration and incredible exposure for you on a set that we hope that we, we must have is really emotionally safe. The days of this emotional non-safety of sets, and I say this to Australia, it's over, it's gone. It's going over there. It's nearly gone over there. It's got to set what actors bring has to be understood. The difficulty of triggering that nervous system. When I say triggering the nervous system, do, do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. As you breathe right now, you've shown up here today for a reason. There's something you wanted. Even if you kind of thought for yourself, oh, well, you know, Mira doing it, we're, we're Equity Foundation, Alex is doing it, I'll, I'll sit back. I'll, I'll sit back and watch this, this acting coach lady. But the fact is you had a taste for something. So I call that a dream of life. Some people call it super objective and I don't mind what you call it. I mind that you have it. And I'm going to end as we go into questions with one last thing. So I'll say this as well. And I have a little video on this on my IGTV. It's, it's not very long, but I talk about why I say dream of life. If you want to have a look at it, I can't give you everything I have today. I have like an hour. Now I have another 30 minutes, but you're on the hunt for something. You have a taste for something. Every character you play, every piece of writing that's worth its salt, that person has something they want a way life can be. Maybe they're deluded and it's kind of a false dream of life. It's not going to bring good to them. Or maybe it is organically, authentically what they're going after. Every scene is going to fly up obstacle to that dream of life. If you want to call it super objective or good with me, what triggers you? What gets your nervous system in? What makes you interested and out of your way? So the identification of the external obstacles 
pandemic, external obstacle, internal obstacle, loneliness, lack of self-worth, greed. What are the intern the psycho the psychology? So when you're doing your script breakdown or your intention or whatever form of training you come from, we are connected. There's a reason you showed up today. There is a reason the life, the human life that you are going to lend yourself to, bring to life the writer's character. There's a taste and that is unique to you. Um, Okay, I'm going to say it like this, and it's a gross generalization. Are we cool with a terrible generalization? Horrible generalization, Aussies and New Zealanders. We good? Okay. I was watching, like, um, you know, I'm here in my family home, so we're watching a family program. Plus, I'm from dance, so give me a program about little dancers. I'm watching it. Um, and there's a thing about little kids at the uh, School of American Ballet in New York. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's called On Point. And there's a little girl who is on a scholarship. She's about nine because um, they went into um, low-income areas or areas that traditionally have communities that are not exposed to ballet and they gave free training to certain to, to children um, as they had to because the world of ballet was white and exclusionary and wrong. So this little girl is auditioning for Nutcracker at the Lincoln Centre and she comes out to her mother, a really, really good mother, and she gets through a cut, right? She's progressed. And she's nine and she's very quiet. And she looks up at her mum and, uh, and she's black. She's, as I said, quiet, but the, her eyes, just something occurred to her. And she said, can you? And she said, I could be in Nutcracker. Can you imagine? And her, and her mum went, I can already see it. And I kind of turned to my mum and said, Gross generalization, but there's a part of me that wants to say maybe the Australian version of that might be, um, well, you know, there's a lot of other people who've had a lot more training than you. So this is a great experience, but don't get your hopes up because there might be, is that a terrible generalization? Have I just offended everybody? Because I don't want to offend you. But there is a little bit of that, right? And so I'm going to get you to write something down and it's called, what do I want? Because when I'm in my master classes, I will look uh, at a stunning Australian talent and go, what do you want? And have a wonderful actor look at me and go, nobody's ever asked me that before. And I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? That's the biggest difference that I see. The talent's extraordinary. But it, 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 I'm talking to you as, as uh, people who have trained, who are understanding of the demands of being an actor if you are a young emerging actor and you must understand what is happening on a global level because we're in a global climate right now. But believe me, if you're paying your dues as an actor, if you're doing your daily work, if you're showing up and understand great writing, my experience of the last 20 years is it's not a crapshoot, that it's not a gamble. It's, I can't, I can't teach tenacity, I wish. You know, and the pandemic has been the great leveler in two ways. I felt that people who really didn't feel that deep passion for acting may have found something else to do. And I think that's healthy if it's not your great passion because it's a peak and valley career and it's hard. And the other great leveler is 
some actors who had gone over to the States because their careers weren't happening as much in Australia came back, but because of self-tapes, it's the great leveler. So many people who hadn't had a lot of work in Australia, just maybe done a little bit of work, suddenly got great roles because the self-tapes are empowering. They are. And I want you to see them. It doesn't matter. I have actors who struggle all night, retape self-tapes. It doesn't matter. So Alex, do you feel? Yeah, we've got, we've got questions. Let's do it. Here's Belinda. Hello. Um, I would say I'm emerging. So I've had a theatre career, but um, recently I've got a role in a US film. And so my question is, you're speaking about the significance of a film, like what it actually means, um, why it's being made, what this means for America. Um, what do you actually do with that information without, without intellectualising it? Really, so it is good to know the world. Like uh, uh, working on a horror thriller, there's, they're, they're allegories, right? They're, um, they're saying something about the human condition. So once you, you, you find what it's saying, what it, then, then what is emotional to you about that, this, about this film? And congratulations, that's absolutely fantastic. It might have a light tone, that's fine. But in what both, why this, why this life has to be in this film and what that arc is through, in emotional steps and what it says to you and what you, you've clearly bought something. There's something that happened in your audition that they went, yeah, that's unique and that's the quality we need. You already have a feeling for this. Every bit of your script analysis needs to support that feeling. It frees you into the circumstance. It frees you to collaborate with the director. We do a lot of breakdown when I'm coaching an actor, but we do it so they're very free, so they can come on set and collaborate with the director and not worry about feeling like they're auditioning again, that they have to be perfect. That It's making sense to you, right, Belinda? It's a really great question. Does that help a little bit? No, it helps a lot. Thank you. So it's like the background work so that you can go on and you're free not to think about it. And collaborate. Yes, and collaborate and have a point of view. You can shift it in the moment, but there's a difference in your nervous system and your interest in the story that you're telling and what you might bring that is unique that the director hadn't thought of, or they might have a very strict vision and you're going to have to lend yourself into it. Cool. But you feel prepared and open to play. Thank you. Hi, Alexandra. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Thank you. That was really great. I am well established in my career, but I found that since having kids, I think around about the time I had kids and obviously my life changed dramatically, was around the time that we shifted to self-tests. And for some reason, which I don't actually understand, the amount of time that we had to prepare for an audition really shrunk. So we, I often find I get two days to turn around a self-test and with, you know, demands of family life and um, all the other things that you've already got in your schedule that often gets shrunk to one day basically one night in often in my case so I'm curious I mean with that time it's hard enough to to learn your lines and sort of have some sense of sinking into the character and, and connecting with the other character and work on the accent so how do you how would you incorporate really sort of this deep investigation of, of the script and, and what they're saying into that with those time pressures well, I'm going to speak directly to you. So you have small children, right? So yeah. your focus is constantly out, right? And in service. So there has to be a moment 
where mm. you come back in yeah every day i mean it is look the thing is you've got so much to give to all the roles now please remember that you are you have the best little acting teachers on earth running around right they're all intention and they're all identification of feelings they're very clear when they're sad happy angry right we know what we are but they they know what they are but you need a time to work with your own nervous system a little bit everything's shifted so your nervous system is going to work a little bit differently don't feel that that means you're not back where you were the fact is you've moved forward in something in life events mm-hmm. so your process is changing a little bit what i think is important after that moment i would get there before you even read the sides because you're working on a shorter time frame because you've got a family and you've got you know with the pandemic a family that's often home and stuff like mm-hmm. that right so you're going to have to work with an efficiency of time and that is just how it is. That's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes when we, you know, we've been on all day and we have to do a self-tape at 3 a.m. and we don't, you know, sometimes like they're the best tapes we do because we just don't have time. But you want to identify what is fascinating to you about the material, what you can lend to it, and what it demands, scene one, scene two, scene three. Identify the central parts of the arc, what you can bring of the character, what are the inciting incidents, and what emotionally and psychologically you can reveal scene one scene two scene three so you've got a bit of an arc because you're not and and then you have to let go of being perfect really work on the first moment where you're really in the circumstances before your first lines of dialogue really work on that first 10 seconds because if you get off on the right foot to use a dancing term if you get off on the right foot it will it could keep playing Try not to beat yourself up about the amount of time you have. You have a lot to bring in life experience to the roles that you're showing up for. Just give yourself a moment to touch on your profundity. If it's comedy, have a blast with it. Mm. Don't feel the need to have everything so sculpted because time-wise, if it's not a reality, it's not a reality. I'm all about not fighting your nervous system. Show up what you've got. Does that help, Alexandra? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Okay. You've got Carice. Hi. Hi, I'm Carice. I'm from Hi, New Zealand. Mm. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> uh, and I say I'm emerging. Um, so I'm really excited because there's so many auditions happening at the moment. Um, not only are there so many auditions, but there's also a lot of self-tape auditions. So it's like one of the things that my acting coach really nailed us on is like, make sure you've got your self-tape stuff set up. And yeah, self-tape basically set up like set up um yeah but what i'd like to ask about um is you you go on so many auditions sometimes like um you know it's draining or it's um it's it's a lot of energy so what are tips on on i guess one maintaining that because it's a good thing and another booking the job (laughs) look your skill set i can't i mean you have to get you you have to understand yourself as an actor and the muscles you need to work on when you see a self i mean sometimes you know recently with some things that i've coached that were booked i mean when i saw the tape come in after i coached it i coached the actor and then they sent me what they sent the agent i mean there's times i just go there's no way that anyone's going to do more than that for what you did in that first scene and i'm like you're at the line 
your job is, you know, if we're talking about professional, you know, working actors, I mean, I, the, the goal is to be at the line or to have a new experience of a role. I break a lot of actors yeah. and they want a new layer of role and we'll work on a bunch of material or auditions and where their nervous system to open a new range. It's the relax, it's being so deeply in the circumstances that it feels like you're on set and so relaxed within that that level of relaxation and play within the structure of that storytelling. And make sure you are private. I think you are because you're already working, but I'll say it for everyone. Remember, we are private in public. These are private moments. These are private conversations often we're dropping into, you know, where the tape is starting, where it's dropping into. Often the beginning of a tape, if it's a series regular, shows the character in their everyday life before this event happens that's going to propel the show forward. So that first beat or maybe the whole first page is how they have been living, shows how they have been either surviving life to now or what their job requires of them. But start all, you know, try to identify what shows it reminds you of. What the, I said, look at the writer, director, see what it's speaking to. I've just been watching The Wilds, you know, a shot in New Zealand and... Yeah. I mean, wow, look what those actors get to do. They get an episode of backstory. They have whole lives going on. It's so fascinating. It's so exciting for these young actors, you know. Um, we're looking for a life. We're not looking for, you know, there's lots of good actors, but there's times where you're like, oh, my, you have that thing where it's not acting. That is that person. It sound, I hope that sounds okay. And then it's you understanding the work you have to do to feel that private, specific and free. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, yeah, the whole self-doubt thing. Um, what's, what's, is it a mantra, is it a? Yeah, well, all of this, not alone. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. you, you, there's, there's two aspects to work that hold one back, which is, uh, I'm going to use actually a word of a teacher, of, of a mentor that I had, um, even though I think it sounds a little bit strong now, but kind of not, I, I, I used to say, I think it sounds too strong now, but technical ignorance, meaning like you haven't done enough work in the, the in getting your skill set together, or that you have something that some people call a block. I never find that there's a block. I find that there's a defense or a habit that was helpful at one time that now needs to be gently melted or dismantled. And that happens both with therapy for the private in acting class. It is through the work and through tools. And it is your talent to seek out the teachers and the, uh, the circumstance where these things dismantle and melt. And you will, in a way, we are always vulnerable as actors. We're very sensitive. And part of our thing is our sensitivity to moment. But when it is crippling, I just don't want you to think of it as a block because I've worked with many actors who have melted. And I, I talk a little bit in an IGTV, a little bit about the nervous system. And I talk a little bit about this and so maybe you want to have a look at that, but thank you. It was a great question. Thank yeah. you. Hi. Hi, um, my name is Brianna. I am, I guess, an emerging actor. 
My question is, um, do you have any advice for emerging actors who have been in the industry for about five years after completing training and regular TVC auditions but can't quite break into the theatrical audition space? Tapes, your own self-tapes. I can speak to the US, the US here. A good piece of tape, self-tape, is one of the best things you can have. If you are not pushing yourself to do self-tapes, and I'm in on the level that, you, you know, where you keep taping, that you have something. Agents and managers have been working for 20 years, 30 years. They give so much. They are business people. They are not for the artistic side. They are, but the one, I mean, I work with a lot of top reps. They're lovely, but they have to work so hard. In the theatrical space, I don't, I feel like now everything is going to self-tape, Brenna. Mm-hmm. So you're having pieces of self-tape on hand that speak to the roles you want that are realistic. So it is your, I mean, this is part of your passion and responsibility. I'm going to keep talking regardless okay. um, because obviously that person is not doing it, um, but they should be that you have to identify what role you feel this is this this i i can really do this i can i can see this here's this piece of tape they've got to have something to sell you on they've got to have something when they can't get you in the room when you're dealing with a smaller industry particularly it it, don't look you know i can't tell you how many times i've also heard an actor saying i want us representation i'm like who do you want oh i don't know well, haven't you researched it? Go on to IMDb. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can say you want things, but stream of life. What are you prepared to do to prepare yourself for it? Does that help at all, Brianna? It does. It does. It confirms what I thought I had to do, but it, hearing it again sounds, yeah. Oh, every day, every week, you should have self-tape going. If there's something that's not quite working, you've got to go to, to good people. Anyway, good. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know I'm in the countdown. Who we got, Alex? We've got Geraldine. Hi, Geraldine. Hi, Lisa. How are you going? Thank you. Um, my question is, um, you mentioned the first 10 seconds. You mentioned um, being in the world from the very beginning. I just wondered if you had any quick tips to create that world, you know, from, from immediately uh, when we're taping from home, when we've sort of, we're trying to have a neutral background, um, yeah. to, to be able to immerse and create that world for well, the self-tape well, immediately. You have, yes, you have to be training your nervous system and your imagination all the time um, because you need a fourth wall. You need to believe the world you're in. If your nervous system is firing like, oh, I've got this opportunity and I don't want to screw it up and knowing who that person is to you emotionally or what, or as I said, that the beginning of the scene sometimes is dropping in to a world that you're in all the time before some cataclysmic or some emotional event happens that changes things forever. Sometimes series regulars go in that to the second scene of how this new way you're moving through what you're going to do that is completely out of sight of your comfort zone, what it's pushing in you or the, the human life, how they're reacting to it. And sometimes the third scene is the emotional, what I call the emotional justification. There's a speech, there's revealing something very private or what this has, ta- what this has brought out in them or they reveal their love, they're revealing love or their pain. So you look at the structure of the scenes and you find Sometimes a real interesting thing, Geraldine, is to look 
at where you have to go by the end of the scene or the end of the sides and think, how far can I get from that? If this is where they end and they're that raw, they're probably going to start somewhere where they have more defense mechanism firing. When I have my actors, I do these, uh, Rowan did them. I can see Rowan there. He was on his feet doing push outs and mine. And we, we, I, I like to get things physical and identify what I call the inner scaffolding, which is the want, the drive, the big wall, the obstacle in front of them, the depth of the fragility they always try to hide and what they might have to say goodbye to forever. Because, and I do that like on the feet and emotionally, because if you know a couple of things in an audition, you can be free to play and allow yourself, you don't have to play that fourth, fourth wall, meaning like show us you have it. You have to feel private. You have to feel like you're not doing it. You know what I mean? You got to let go of the pressure of the audition, the pressure on your nervous systems, the pressure on the lines to live. And then it'll go somewhere. It doesn't have to be perfect, but we can tell, you can tell in a tape if that actor is in, a, is in. you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Great. Thank you. Good question. Thank you. Hi, Marty. Hey, hi, Lisa. Thank you very much for this. Uh, I, I thought your, uh, your generalization was spot on because the question I've got is how do we as mere actors change a country's social implant, something that holds back great talent and opportunities in this country. It's right through Australian society, right up to government virtually. And what I'm referring to is I had the good fortune uh, to work, do work in the US and with some acting teachers like Joseph Perlman in LA and people like this. And his attitude was you as an actor need to self-promote. You can't wait. Whereas in this country, there is an attitude amongst uh, the, the agents that you don't reach out to or try and establish contact or stuff with casting directors. Now, I understand that. I understand it. But it's there is a different attitude here, definitely, between the more proactive approach in America. Now, I've seen that some agents don't like to be contacted by email. They say, by all means, contact me by letter, send me a postcard, let me know what you're doing. But almost without exception, when I did sessions with casting directors in New York, I found that all of them were open to communication as long as you don't overdo it. As That's long bad. as you, every six months maybe, just send them an update what I'm doing. Whereas I've found back here, it's discouraged. Let me, let, right, and, and I'm coming into this, right? So I'm coming into the world. I have people cast on these shows. I am friendly with some of the casting directors but I'm learning, I'm learning more. So here's the thing. It's changing really, really quickly. I want to, I want to, I want to shift the vocabulary. I think language is really important because I hear self-promote and there's a part of me that goes, because I am the worst at it. And I, I do what I do seven days a week. I do question myself on the work that I do. Is this helpful? Is this active progressing? I do. So I have a certain, um, it's, it's beyond confidence. If you ask me if I'm confident, I don't, I, I don't really, I've never really understood that word, but I don't think of it as self-promotion, but I do think of it as like the, what do you want thing that without delusion based on the work that you've done and what you've achieved, that you know who you are and that you're direct 
I think it's changing because I see this pandemic as the great leveler. The fact is the influx of American roles of the storytelling, and this is not in any way to place shade on what's happened in Australia, which has produced some of the greatest talent in the world and the greatest actors, right? So we, and has supported them, um, with casting directors who've supported them. It's not about shade. It is about what you're talking about, the difference of being the small uh, industry rather than living in the, what is it, the fourth largest economy on earth is California. You're in a different, you're in, a, and, and the, the, the entertainment industry is a big part of it. The, yes, I think there can be, uh, speaking from an out, as an, out, an Australian, but an outsider who's been gone a long time, I, I, I do see a kind of defensiveness sometimes. People are a little bit, oh, 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 oh. So, you know, I always say be psychologically smart. I send a congratulations to managers and agents when an actor gets a role because it's a huge effort on their part too. So I have dialogue. If I feel, if I feel when I'm in Australia, I get a little bit of that, well, who are you kind of thing. I know who I am. So I just relax in that moment and talk and try and give something. And if it doesn't land, I walk away. It'll land next time. What I don't do is get cynical or angry about it. If I do, I go into my own therapy or to my own friends and go, man, you know, but professionally, I, I actually don't see it that way because I understand the extreme stress that's been on the industry here in lots of ways and why these things have happened. I also think we have a generation coming up that has a very, very different view because they've, they've been, they're raising with a global view. Do you know what I mean? So does this help a little bit as I say this? I can't solve about the postcards and things, but the fact is the way self-tape is happening and the way American, uh, UK, Europe things are casting out of New Australia and New Zealand, not just to shoot here, by the way, flying our talent places. There is a great, I just want to assure you that it is the great leveler because self-tapes are empowering actors who might not be in kind of what might have been seen in Australia, because I hear it in the workshops, as like, what were we saying, Alex? Something like, oh, do the same people just work? But those people are excellent, the people who work. But I do think there's a more open invitation for actors happening now. I do. Uh, yeah, just very briefly, I, I was gobsmacked when the, I, I was in his class and he said, by all means, contact casting directors. And I went, what, are you kidding? And then, of course, I came back here and I found that was the attitude back there. What he's saying is don't overstep your mark. Don't build yourself up to more than what you are. But by all means, reach out. Because if you don't reach out to try and market yourself, nobody else is going to do it yeah, for you. I just feel it. Yeah, I'm an acting coach and I deal with art and I deal with people who do get pretty fairly big careers out of, you know, whatever. But we never talk about marketing, branding or self-promoting. I just want you to know that we never use those words because anytime to me, you have to give something. You have to give as an actor and it can get pretty damn exhausting giving. But we're responsible for the breath in the Zoom. When I came on this, I was aware. I did nothing else this morning but think, of, oh, no, I read a script. But other than that, I stayed quiet. I stayed internal. I thought about what I wanted to impart. Um, I'm here to give something. I'm responsible for the tonality of this. I'm responsible for the breath because 
I'm taking when an actor walks into an audition or when you're in a self-tape, you can't ask for permission from anybody else. You're giving something. So just maybe in that slight, yeah, I think you got it. That slight little bit of it takes that that thing that tenses people out of it because the fact is if you're if you've earned it and the work's there, you can be sure of it. And I hope that helps. No, that's great. Thank you. Last one, Alex. Can we do one more? Oh no. Oh, okay, sure. Coming up. Oh, I could do this all day. I'm just aware. Like oh, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm verbal and oh. oh gosh, no, I, I'm just aware that like I, I go long on everything. So no, I don't want to keep you. Um yeah, no, I'm I'm cool. <laughs> Hi there. Hi. So uh, my name's Rowan. Hi. Uh, I'm based in Sydney, uh, around Kochi. I have been working since I was about 18. I had some pretty big breakout roles. And then after a while, I actually went to acting school. Now I've come back and I'm doing mainly advertising. It's kind of like, it's a nice little tail end to everything we've been talking about. My question is, what should we be doing and creating? Like I am very much on creating my own work for me. So I'm staying creative. So I have that for myself because otherwise, why am I doing it? But with those things that I'm creating along those lines, is that something that I can put out to casting directors? Do you think, do you think that's an overstep? Um, I give a lot of that stuff to my agent and I really like love her and respect her. I've been given advice on and off over like the last year or so as to whether that's something that can be done similar to what the guy was saying before. I know a lot of my friends in America do send like new tapes or new show reels to like, you know, casting directors, not all the time, but you know, like once or so a year. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that will make any difference in terms of maybe being seen more? You know, I'm learning more about casting here as I go it's interesting that these are the questions because I'm, I even in my like zoom cocktails and stuff I do I do with US casting and US managers I, I've got some people here too and agents but um well even on a global sense really as well because I understand that like you I get establish a relationship with that person if I mean to me it's still more a manager thing and I, I think it's a great question because creating your own work, I do want to just take the moment to say, when we're talking also about US representation, no one, you know, everybody is very interested also in signing an actor who is also writing and interested in directing and not just interested, but throwing something down, you know, like this is a very different time. I have, I take on a few children. I don't advertise. I take on a few kids because I just get them by referral. They're already auditioning and working at a certain level. And I do a lot of talking with the parent to make sure that I feel that there's the, the, the right support around the talent. But one of the things that I'm saying to that young talent is, you know, actors are no longer or should not feel like jobbing actors anymore. The fact is that, you know, look at the nominations, Regina King, um, Emerald for promising young woman, and she's also a writer on Fleabag, and she's in she's Camilla in The Crown, Greta Gerwig. I mean, you know, you just can go on and on and on. This actors, are, you know, look at One Night in Miami. I mean, it, that performances. It, it's yeah. so. It is interesting that you say that because there was a time 
yeah, in my early career that a lot of people were like, you're creative, but only stick to acting. Don't like put your your finger in the pies of writing and directing. Oh, don't worry, I've but heard like, it too. I get it too. My brain, my brain didn't, I want to, don't, don't try to direct. Yeah, I, and I'm, my brain didn't understand that because I was like, but I'm creative. Hey, it's, it's, it, it's a whole new frontier now. And the future of acting is in the actors having real creative stamina and support and a kind of power and understanding the storytelling you're interested in understanding not all actors are writers directors and that's fine too there's one yeah. actors who are just actors and they know it but it's about knowing it's about your what you want to give you know I I I, I, I am just and after this, I'm going to actually reach out to some casting directors and say that I've had these questions and I'm coming from a different world and um, a different country and I want to understand it a little bit more, hear what's optimal. But I do think, remember, with this global shift in the fact that there is so much production that is going to happen here, that Netflix is opening in Canada, which opens a lot more production in Canada, which taps on Australian and New Zealand talent as well there is a fresh perspective that people are very hungry for and knowing yourself knowing what is in the culture and what your unique stories have to give to it i think that they will get recognition and then you can always lend it and reach it out the thing about there is i don't think unless the other gentleman was saying don't pester anybody and don't ask for something you haven't earned but if you reach out with passion and it's really good, and I mean, you have to have someone smart to tell you it's really good that you're reaching out with the right thing. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Over there, I would say you have nothing to lose. Yeah. Lisa, would you say they contact through IMBD or how would they actually know who to contact? Over there? Yeah. Well, over there as well, you've also got to realise you've got to look at what roles you'd be up for because it's changing, but what happened under Trump, as I'm sure lots of you were under the pressure of, I mean, it just killed the immigration visas. It killed the O1s. You know, it was so difficult to get yeah. O1s when it wasn't for Australian talent, good Australian talent. I had people casting things that they couldn't do. So that's going to open up again, but it's going to yeah. take a minute for Biden to open up again. And they're in crisis, you know? Yeah. So maybe. Yeah, I guess like my tail end to my question is how can I make it my best shot to be seen by doing my best work? Like, like Are you saying, rep in the United States? No, I'm not. I, I've got representation here who has contacts in America. I would be doing it to manage, I would be looking for the manager there. Uh, well, this is, I'm an acting coach and you have to be in concert with your agency who are your team here or who are like fighting for you. But I would be looking, rather than going direct to casting, I would be looking for the manager who is passionate about you. Um, I'm looking at you here. I can see that there are doors that could open for you. I think there's something unique that you have. But I would be looking at that manager who is going to be and who is going to be on your team. Managers there, don't take somebody on for five seconds. A manager should be the person who you want to be with for a long period of time. Yeah, they great. I mean, here agents work as both agents and managers in one, so they work very, you know. Yeah, because um, my agent works as she works. Very separate thing in America. There's very separate roles for manager and agent. 
I would be looking for a manager who is sending their great mate, the casting director, their longtime 20 year working professional friendship, that piece of tape of you and saying this, this woman is really interesting. She's up to something. This is a bit raw, but have a look and have it go that way. I think that for you, I would be going management before direct casting. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Do you want to do one more, Alex? Or you want to? Oh, wrap? okay. Can I just also speak for a moment to people who are in longer term careers? Like they've already they're already working to a a real a, you know a beautifully professional level. If you feel there's something you still really want to play, I'll tell you what I've done. Um, with certain actors in the US who came to me who are actors who will work for the rest of their lives. Do you know what I mean, everybody? They're, they're, gonna, they're always going to be auditioning at a certain level. They will have roles. They're, they're, their career is acting and the income is there. And they're not worried on that level, but they had a wish to do something more dangerous, something more, something that they weren't seen as. And I think self-tape is really helpful with this, but some of them went for, you know, we just said, let's take a year accept every audition even if you know it's going to go to offer accept it because we're doing this one to splash around in this very different life kind of like what happened to um not that I worked with him but you know uh Brian Cranston he'd been known for kind of or even um Chicklets from The Shield right he'd been known as whatever it was coach or whatever that role was and it wasn't what he ended up doing in The Shield um that there can be in a very an already successful career where you're like this I still see this thing for myself and I would just start taking every time you can get a self-taper in the room for that kind of role even if you're like this is going to go to name this is going to go America this is going to go because you want practice at showing up in that different nervous system and as you do it people will remember it those tapes start going around but it's also about you. I don't know if that's helpful to anybody, but I've taken, you know, I've worked with a lot of actors who are already at a certain level in their career who are like, I'm working, but I want to open up this. I want to, I, I want to be over here in this kind of material. And we've done it as a kind of year <laughs> of um, kind of very insight, you know, in very detailed work in a lot of different roles that they built up and it worked and actually, in nearly, I think every, I think in every instance, it actually really worked. That's helpful. Now I've got here one here, a question from Tasmania. Can you speak to the leveling that may be happening geographically in regards to casting happening within local areas due to the pandemic now? I mean, I think it's the same answer. I think that we, we can sometimes feel tortured by self-tape where all this pressure is on us, but the fact is, it's opening. It, 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 it's opening up the talent pool, and it's erasing location. I mean, I'm running. You know, the fact I run an entire coaching business now, and I've been able to be here. Um, I mean, I feel like it. Maybe it's the same, but I, I can't speak specifically to Tasmania, but. I know that for the actors, the Aussie actors I work with who we all came back, you know, they went to all different places, Queensland, Perth, all over the place in Australia. They've all been flown to other countries now to work through tapes that they did while they were in those places. So, or they've 
you know, coming to Sydney or, or Queensland, right, where Elvis is shooting and so much we're shooting in Queensland and Byron, so much shooting Byron. The border closures were a thing, I know. I, I don't know that I have a different answer is the problem to that one. Now, Lisa, we could seriously go all day. What about you're in Australia and your classes online? Is there anything that you can talk, talk to the yeah. who wants further information? I always have my weekly class, which I do on Sunday morning. The Australians do it on Sunday morning because it's Saturday in America. It's my big Saturday class. That's weekly and it's a very, you can always audit it. It's um, something that I also do. It keeps me it keeps me really in check as a coach because it's very demanding and it's not for the result of an audition or a role. It's for the process and I love it. But I'm going to do some Zoom short courses in script analysis and uh, probably a four-week in script analysis and maybe something in self-tape. But I'm really coming to Sydney to look at doing an in-person Sydney masterclass in um in late April, I'm just going to see how I feel. But um, I really, really loved doing that Sydney masterclass. I might, if if it's all working, maybe I'll do a four day script analysis because that's it. Sounds so dry, right? I mean, that's one of those terms that just does not excite you as an actor. But I, all I can assure you is the way I teach script analysis. <laughs> is purely for your instinct, for your impulse and getting into the material and lending yourself to it and making it emotional. I mean, that's the whole, it's the whole gig, right? That you're free, but there is a way to excavate material and prep. And there's a way I prep a film role and I'm going to do that. And then I think a big Sydney masterclass and I will, and especially if I can't do those, but I will do online versions and probably for directors, a directing actors class. I did a really big one for Sundance last year, global one, and it was like 42 directors. It was amazing. I'll probably do another one of those. So what I'd say is if you can like follow us on Instagram, which is at Lisa Robertson Studio, or go to the website, get on the mailing list. Uh, it's lisarobertsonstudio.com. Or you can email us, info at Lisa Robertson. It's basically lisarobertsonstudio.com for everything. Um, then I would love you to, you know, hear about those. And I'm really, I, I really would love to teach in person because during this period I'm back. It would, I love coming back now and being able to support Australian talent and give back. Um, I don't know if the reasons I left at the time that I did were kind of my, my perception or it was real, but I, I was someone who kind of felt maybe because I had had another career, an early career to some level, I went somewhere else, but now we're in this wonderful crossover and it, 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 you know, and so I really hope that um, I would really love to teach another really uh, in, intensive masterclass because those um, those actors we work with, Alex, those wonderful actors we had. I mean, I still work with many of them, and a lot of them have done incredible things in this last in this past year since we were together. So um, it's about showing up to your work, igniting your creative instinct and your love and your passion for this thing. I know that everybody wants a tip or a, um, you know, a quick three-step plan and it's, um, 
but when you look at the careers that I, and I don't even I'm on so many NDAs at any one time I don't even talk about a lot of work I do you know what I mean so um but if I talk to Handmaids or Alexis you know we we started working after she came off Gilmore Girls and I remember the tapes and and the throwdown we did for those tapes in the meantime prior to Mad Men and prior to Handmaids and um and we had a blast with them it, it, the process of and the I mean it is true the commitment of the actors I work with people say how do you uh, do you always enjoy it but I do even if I'm pretty if I've been working crazy and it's a lot of give you know when you see this person in front of you what you're doing as a coach is you're signing up really to their dream of life if you show up to me I 100% am in the trenches for that. That is what I am lending to. If then the actor through behaviours or something shows me that they are not committed to that dream of life or there is some level of throwing off, so I will try to work with that nervous system, I will work through that, or if it's not possible, then we part ways. That's fine, but not very common, I have to say, but it could happen. And uh, look, I probably should have said this earlier. And the only other thing I want to say is, you know, if if anyone is, you know, feeling like they have to, you know, sometimes people ask me about act actors and substances or addictions or things like that. And I just say, wow, if you've progressed at all in your career with those kind of obstacles that you're reliant on something, that's an eighth of your talent you're using. Because if you walk through the fire for sobriety and to find your nervous system and your talent on the other side of that, and you've built that much career using so really so little, triggering just this one little part of yourself. I mean, what what could be in your work and in your life in your life on the other side of that? And I just wish I'd said it a bit earlier. But um does that is that good to end on? <laughs> yes, thank you so much uh, for going over and answering those extra questions, and we really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you all, thank you, thank you very much, and to everyone for for coming today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.